Hello, this is Alex Granado, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. This week, Education NC, in partnership with WRAL, is putting out a series on restart schools, which you will learn all about during this podcast. Uh, we're going to have three articles and a video in this podcast and also interactive graphics so that you can learn more about the program. Uh, but first, I wanted to uh, start it all off with this podcast. I'm talking with Ann McCall. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Innovation Project, uh, which works with most of the Restart schools in North Carolina. Ann, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. So let's start with the simplest question. Please define for our listeners, what is Restart? So Restart is one of the options given by the General Assembly for schools that are continually low performing. And by continually low performing, that means two out of three years it has uh, been in the low scores of the state. Um, There are several other options that would be available for a school in that circumstance, but the restart means that you apply to the state and you receive the same flexibility from state law and regulations as charter schools. And um, why is that a significant thing? So this is the first time that public schools and school districts have received the same kind of flexibility as charter schools. It's something that those in the public school community have been asking for for a long time so that they can use that flexibility to improve opportunities for their students. And um, let's go back a little bit. This is a relatively new thing that yet still has its uh, roots in, in kind of history. So, so let's go back. Where did Restart ultimately come from originally? So it ultimately um, was a part of our response to the federal government when we were applying for the Race to the Top grant. Um, they wanted to see that we had more charter-like flexibility in the state. At that time, we had a cap on the number of charter schools. And so this was a part of the response to the federal government. So this has been in the books since the Race to the Top grant, which was uh, under Governor Purdue. Um, but it, but there were no uh, state board policy to implement it until fairly recently. So this, this was one of four reform models that people could choose under Race to the Top, and nobody chose Restart back then. Uh, but uh, And then race to the, the Race to the Top money went away, and everyone kind of forgot about Restart, and then in late 2015, it starts cropping up again. Tell us about that. So as an organization, we were looking at options for flexibility. And uh, there were others that we looked at, uh, creating nonprofit organizations that could apply for a charter school. But this one then came on our radar. And so we began to have conversations with, uh, at the time, uh, State Superintendent June Atkinson, who was very responsive and interested in uh, helping move this forward. And so in, I think it was spring 2016, the first round of Restart Schools were approved. Uh, I think there were around five. Um, and uh, the first schools that actually implemented were was last school year, um, fall 2016-17. So, um, you know, saying these schools have charter-like flexibility is one thing, but then seeing them actually use that in practice is a different thing. So what are we seeing on the ground? So I would uh, start back with the process of what a school and a school district would do once they get this designation. Because it's a big change, and so it means that 
The school district needs to rethink its relationship with that particular school, because uh, after all, there would also be school um, district policies, and you're having to figure out where those fit in. Uh, you're having to decide what kind of planning process you're going to use. Uh, will you use your school improvement team that's already at the school, or are you going to create something different? So a lot of them have started with trying to conceptualize where this reform fits in within a school district. And so the first thing that we saw was people wanting to learn more about it. And that's part of what my organization has been trying to address is teaching them more um, about what it means to have charter-like flexibility, taking them to schools where they could see that in practice in charter schools in North Carolina. Um, but in terms of what we're starting to see, there's interest in uh, staffing flexibility in these schools. There's interest in making better use of the calendar to um, uh, make the school days work better for children and to provide professional development for the teachers. And um, so... TIP, uh, the Innovation Project, you work with the majority of um, restart schools in the state. So, so talk a little bit about what that means for those schools as they try to envision how they're going to use restart to help their struggling students. So we have a restart collaborative and we bring together all of the restart schools that are within the Innovation Project together on a periodic basis for meetings. And uh, in these meetings, we expose them to different ideas. Um, including now from them. So one of the really terrific things is to see them learning from each other. And they, you know, we can't, we're across the state. So we can have a school in Cabarrus who's sharing something with a school in Craven. It's, uh, and so we're starting to see the development of ideas coming from them. But we do bring in speakers. Um, we uh, invite them to travel with us to schools to see some of these innovations in practice. Uh and we, we, we keep a pipeline with them of information. Um, we try and keep them abreast of uh, where the state is on interpretations. Um, that's been a, a part of the challenging part of the beginning of this is everyone understanding exactly what it does mean to be a restart school. This is an interesting time in North Carolina for restart to become a thing because there's a lot of different avenues for flexibility in North Carolina for students, really, because you have the charter schools, um, which obviously have charter-like flexibility. Um, and then you also have the Innovative School District, which is this new thing that's going to take five of the state's lowest performing schools and put them in a district and have them be run by outside organizations, perhaps a charter management or um, education management organization. And as part of that, some of these districts uh, that give up a school to the uh, innovative school district can also have innovation zones where they can have low performing schools that have charter like flexibility. And then you have restart. Um, and so it seems like an interesting climate for all of this flexibility to be taking place. And I'm wondering if you think that means anything. So I think there is a huge change in just the last few years. The, um, innovation school district that you mentioned is new, um, I'd add to that also the lab schools that are being run by UNC that have also a very similar um, structure for flexibility. So we are getting a chance to see what that flexibility looks like in a lot of different environments. And largely, I think that's a good thing, that we can learn as much as we can about 
um, how to structure learning opportunities for kids in these different settings. And particularly in the in the traditional public schools that are starting to get this, you know, it's really early in this process. And so flexibility seems like a good thing, but we don't really have results on how these schools are doing, particularly with Restart. At the most, there are some schools that are in their second year of implementation. So how important is, is the data going to be when we start seeing these results uh, about how flexibility worked? One of the things I think will be important is to be clear on what the goals are. So, for example, um, if we said that all that mattered was student test scores, we might be missing out on a lot of the growth occurring in a school. So part of what we want schools with restart flexibility to do is really understand their students, understand their setting, and it may be that their initial goals have more to do with creating a better climate for students. Um, It may be implementing trauma-sensitive school protocol, which is not going to show up in test scores right away. might be um, focusing on children staying more engaged in the classroom and being um, less frequently sent to the office during the school day. So we hope that school districts and their schools that are in Restart will be very thoughtful about what they're trying to accomplish and that that's part of what they report back to us and that it should include um, a wide range of outcome goals um, and also some process goals. So, for example, if you also found that you had high staff turnover, maybe part of what you're focusing on initially is the work environment and what what can you do to retain high-quality teachers in these environments. And another interesting thing about all of this is North Carolina is a very top-down state when it comes to statewide programs. Usually, you know, the General Assembly comes up with some policy or program. Maybe the state board comes up with a policy. It all filters down to districts and schools. And then if it's going to be something done statewide, that's kind of the direction that these things come from. This has been very different. This is something that is very much happening from the ground up and yet expanding statewide. So can you talk a little bit about how unique that is in North Carolina and um, what what the significance of it is. So I would start by agreeing with you. I think that as a state, we are very um, top-down. We look for uh, legislation, uh, think about what we've done with class size or early learning coming out of the legislature. Um, And this is very exciting because it's allowing at the local level to start figuring things out. And what this does, restart, is it makes it a bigger box. So you have much, you, you have fewer regulations that you're, you're following. Um, and what we really hope to accomplish is the sharing across districts. Sort of our next, our Restart Collaborative 2.0 is building networks among our Restart schools on particular topics. So if they are really engaged in staffing flexibility, we're going to bring them together on that. If they are really focused on early learning, we'll have a network around that. So the, the idea that we can, through this um, initiative, not only have individual schools developing new ideas that work, but that we can create mechanisms for sharing those among school districts, and that it is that sort of a grassroots, let's share with each other. Um, I, I think it's just tremendously exciting. 
And so what do you think the future is going to hold for restart, for local flexibility, um, for statewide programs coming from kind of the grassroots level? So my hope is that uh, as these restart schools develop and they start having programs that have clear success, whether it's looking at attendance or culture or student test scores, um, that we'll all start paying attention to those and learning from them. And that legislators will take note and want to visit those schools and learn from themselves what they're seeing. And as necessary, we'll put in things at the state level. But I think that we have an opportunity here to also shift our thinking that everything doesn't have to go up to the state. As long as we have adequate funding and we're creating these networks among school districts and schools, um, we don't have to make things statewide programs. In fact, maybe this is part of what we learn is that there are a lot of different ways to make successful learning environments for students. And so local flexibility and everything you're saying sounds very positive, but the one kind of criticism or concern revolves around accountability. You know, a question some people have is, um, you know, an overarching question of how are these schools going to be held accountable? And also, um, you know, how long does this flexibility last? Does it last forever? I mean, right now in law, there's no end to it. But their question is, you know, is there a point at which if you're not showing improvement, the flexibility goes away, or if you are showing improvement, the fle- you know, there's just all these questions that they have that they don't necessarily have answers for, but they're concerned about those things being figured out. So the first thing I would say is that a distinction between these schools being given flexibility and most of the others is these are still under the control of a local board of education. Most of those are elected by the people in that community and that local board is responsible for holding that school accountable and the superintendent accountable for helping that school be successful. So that mechanism doesn't go away, and people should use that. They should go to their boards of education if they have concerns. Um, in terms of where this is headed, um, it is ironic to imagine if they were doing well that you would take away the flexibility Um And instead, I think what we would hope to see is that if the practices that we're seeing in these schools work well, that we would extend that flexibility more broadly, um, including around the calendar, um, staffing, budget. Um, The state will make some calls on how they want to... um, track these schools and where they might step in. And I'm sure they will do that. And um, the balance there again is that um, there is a local board that it's being held accountable to, which is different from, for example, charter schools that really are directly chartered by the state. Um, So hopefully they will take that into account when they're coming up with those measures. And so we've talked a little bit about some concerns people might have about Restart. We've talked about how schools and districts are using Restart. What do the families and the students and the community surrounding these Restart schools, how are they reacting to them? So um, the way that people have responded, 
I think varies a lot in communities and it has a lot to do probably with the way the school district has explained it. So there have been some places like in Vance County where I think they have seen this as a really wonderful opportunity. It, it, it's it, that sort of hitting the reset button, that it's an exciting time. And so um, they've used it as an opportunity to garner support um, and to make it really clear that there are opportunities in the school district. Some places, they really haven't said much about it that it, because they're just planning, that they um, are going to start with things that probably won't get much notice. Probably the community doesn't know much about it. Um, there's also been some places where there was confusion uh, because this hasn't been used, but when the term is used um, out of more of a federal context, it can mean other things like um, you have to fire half of the staff or that sort of thing. In some places, it's caused anxiety because they didn't understand it. Um, and so we've, we've gone into some of those communities to help make sure that the teachers and others understand it. So I think that is a part of this is that um, I hope in communities it will be seen as another way to engage with their school. Um, and I encourage communities to be reaching out to those research schools and saying, how can we be a part of the school in this initiative? And that this, um, you know, that's what's so great about these school districts with the research schools is they're the hub of their community. And the communities own these schools. And I hope that they will get involved with this restart initiative. All right, Anne, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. We've been talking with Ann McCall. She is Chief Executive Officer for the Innovation Project. And I'm Alex Granados, Senior Reporter for Education NC. And you're listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>